Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. So many wonderful people today. Gosh, this energy just began to really build up. I'm so happy to have Tom and Kim here today. So today's lesson is titled, What is Mine to Do? Paul. What did I say? Paul. You know, I keep saying that. That's you. I, I know, yeah, it's me and him. <laughs> and, and I don't know why, I, I I've said it several times this morning to myself, and I said, it's Paul. So, <laughs> by the way, did I say that we had Paul and Kim here this morning? <laughs> I, I, had, I, I actually had not said that. Correctly, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, today's lesson is titled, What is Mine to Do? And it's a question that I thought about when I first came to Unity Georgetown. And perhaps it's a question you've considered as well. And if you haven't, you will someday. As for me, it seems like I've been thinking about this all my life. I I've just, since the beginning, I've been asking questions since I was six years old. I wanted to know what's going on. And interestingly, the phrase has come up in several conversations just recently. And so anytime something like that happens, then I take that to mean that it's time for me to share the message with you. And it is furthermore a good time because there's a lot of changes been going on here at Unity Georgetown. And while it's true that we are always changing, sometimes the changes add up and they create an entirely new thing. We find ourselves knocking at a, a new door, a new door that promises to take us into a new and higher direction. And I get a real sense that that is what's happening here at Unity Georgetown. In one of the TED Talks we shared with the LGM group, but let's get metaphysical, so if I keep saying LGM, just trying to shorten it down a little bit, somebody offered us a really interesting perspective about something new coming into being. It sounded very much in line with what process theology is that I introduced into the uh, LGM group. And I know only very little knowledge about uh, process theology. But we need to talk about it some more because it's right in line with unity thinking. It basically says that everything is continually being made new. You are literally not the person that you were yesterday or really even an hour ago. There is always something about you that is changing. And this is going on continuously. Could be friends, family, wisdom, skill, knowledge, any number of things. But you're always changing. Now, you, you're, you seem to be very similar to the old you, but you're not the old you. You are a new you. And now every time someone comes through the door new, like a lot of people did today, then Unity Georgetown becomes something new. And, and in that TED talk, the guy said, let me see, go backwards. <laughs> he said that, he introduced a really interesting idea. He said that it is very much like a color palette, that when something changes, you create a new color in the palette. And I found that visually very interesting. And so you have a new color to paint this experience that you are creating about your life. And I really found that interesting. I really did. 
Today's lesson really is not about what is mine to do. It is really about what is ours to do. Unity Georgetowns. And we like to say that it's always for the highest good. And it is. But in order to be truly and effectively successful in, for, in working towards the highest good, we all got to be on the same page. We have to have a communal consciousness that's working forward towards something, kind of rowing in the same direction. You know, if you can imagine that, that we're rowers you know, and we're all, we had to be going the same direction. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to work. And I particularly like the idea of our approach, our unique approach to spirituality. It is very different. To begin with, when I first went to Unity, I noticed that we don't call this, what I'm doing now, a, ser a sermon. We call it a lesson. We call it a lesson because I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. And I'm here to teach. Because you don't need preaching. You need teaching. Teaching a new way to see this mystery that we call life. Because the more we learn, the more we realize that, wow. What in the, if you've been keeping up, and we're talking about that at the LGM group, uh, even about that, the James Webb telescope, it is just blowing our minds again. <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> just when we think, we need to do that song, The Higher You Climb. Have you ever heard that song, Tom? Dan Fogelberg, The Higher You Climb, The More That We See with Something, with the, and the less that we know, it's a great song. Anyway, in Unity, we don't teach salvation. We teach transformation. And interestingly, as you know, I drove down to, to the valley uh, this week. And yet last week I had mentioned a reference to a CD that I had had at some point, And I referenced it. And when I got back home, I said, where is that CD anyway? And I found it. It's the, it, it is the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And so I started listening to it. And I said, wow. I need to share this with the group. But it, it's like five CDs long. But... I'm going to try to figure out which, what, we need to lead to, what we need to listen to and what we can just kind of bypass. But the guy also interprets it and he talks about. And one of the things says exactly that. It says, you, the salvation you need is transformation. I said, wow. To change the way that we see things. And this kind of transformation for me really means about paying attention to details. And it's no secret that I'm a real big-time NFL fan. I really am. <laughs> no secret whatsoever. <laughs> I plan things about, but the Cowboys are playing. We can't do that. <laughs> and I listened to the NFL station, and one day they were talking about this coach who has been very, very successful. And they were talking about the reason he's been so successful is because his attention to detail. He said the, how they study the book, how, their diet, their workouts, their focus, their attitude, their work ethic, everything. And why is that? Because big things are made of little things. If you don't do the little things right, you're not going to get the big things right. You're just not. I had a band director fr friend I grew up with. His name was Frank. He used to say, you perform as you practice. Because, you know, sometimes you're just like, when you're practicing, you get a little sloppy. You know, and, and then what happens? You develop that habit. <laughs> and when you go to the, to the competition, you know, that kind of slides out sometimes. And, and when Dancing with the Stars first came out, 
I, I confess, I used to, I, I watched the first couple of seasons, <laughs> and, and I'd, watch, I'd watch the dance, and I'd say, hey, that looks pretty good from my vantage point. And then the, the judges would weigh in, and they'd say, well, you know, your line of your, of your arm was not quite, it should have been this high, and it was only this high. And I went like, really? Is that trivial? It is to some, but not if you're trying to master a discipline. It is not trivial. Because that's what the difference is between something that is good and something that is great. So that's the first question we have to ask ourselves, Unity Spiritual Center Georgetown. What do we want to be? Do we want to be good or do we want to be great? I want to be part of a great spiritual community. That's what I want to do. One that moves and inspires people to be the greatest that they can be. That is part of my to-do list. So where do we begin? I think a big one is by emphasizing the most fundamental difference that there is between us and everybody else, basically. And that is that we teach oneness. So next time somebody you know, just tells you, what's the big deal? Can you explain to me what's the difference between unity and everybody else? I said, we teach and come from the consciousness of oneness, that everything is one, that it is not even possible to be separate from God. This idea that we're separate of God is not true. It's not even fundamentally possible. How can you be separate from something that is everywhere? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but we do have this domain, this little area that we have, that we possess called our mind, our consciousness, our soul. And in New Thought, sometimes we refer to that as mind, small m, and big mind, big m. But the paradox that is in truth, there is but one mind. That's all. My analogy to this is that big mind is spirit. And just think of big mind as an infinite field, you know, like a field where we plant food and stuff. Just an infinite field. And so little mine is a few acres that I have. It's really the same field, but it's my little you know, area of the world, if you will, my mind. And in that place, in those few acres that I have, I have the choice to do, to build, to believe whatever I want. So even though we can be one, we are one, we can believe that we're not. And and, and that belief has been emphasized and perpetuated by our traditional upbringing. And what do we do in unity? What do we believe? That, that what you believe, well, that's what you experience. <laughs> the master said it quite clearly. Be it done to you as you believe. If we believe we're a separate, then guess what? We experience separation. In a nutshell, that is the state of the human condition. Our long-standing belief in, in separation, in limitation, in evil, in all that stuff that we have as individuals, as in a collective society. It would have been nice if the Cajun Adam and Eve had eaten the snake. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so part of what we need to do, our work, our what to do, is to break that spell, to break that mindset. 
And one of the ways I want to proceed forward, and I've said it over and over, and so I'm going to keep harping on it because it's important. Remember, the little things make up the big things. And that is the language that we use. Teresa and I talk about this all the time. It's very important. It's very important how we pray, what we teach, what we sing, everything like that coach. Be mindful of the details. You do the little things right, and the big things are going to take care of themselves. So I will remind us of that. And in fact, when I was writing this, I thought, you know what? Then next, next week, I'm going to talk about the power of words or the power of the word to continue this conversation. So in thinking about what is mine to do as a philosophy major, that raises a very important question that I've thought about for a long time. What is my purpose? Everybody asks, what is my purpose? Do I have a purpose? Well, <laughs> what does the dictionary says this of purpose? The reason which, for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Wow, the reason. <laughs> so purpose then comes before existence. That's one way of looking at things. I would say we, we would probably say that. The other way around is that existence precedes purpose. And in philosophy, that's called existentialism, that there is no purpose other than that which we create. Now, remember my, is it this way or that way thing? So is, are we creating or, or do we have purpose before or purpose after? Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is always yes. <laughs> well, we did create an automobile and it has a purpose to take us from point A to point B in a little more expeditious manner. So, but the question is, is there another kind of a person, purpose, a purpose that pre-exceeds us? And the answer, of course, is yes. How many times, we've heard it all the time, God has a purpose for us. But really, theologically, what does that mean? Because we also hear that God only helps those who help themselves. So that means that God's not gonna help you unless you're willing to get involved. We can't just turn it over to God and get us off of the hook. Doesn't work that way. So how do we reconcile these two different kinds of ways of looking at things? Let's try from the angle of distinguishing between oneness and separation. From the perspective of separation, the idea of God having a plan, a purpose for us, sounds very warm and fuzzy. It does. It also sounds like passing the buck, avoiding responsibility. I'm just going to turn it over to someone else. God, Jesus. Um, whoever, Allah, well, but that also sounds a whole lot like predestination or my, a micromanaging super being, which makes us, which renders us puppets, if that's the case. And what becomes of our free will and our creative power? That's out the window in, in that format. From the perspective of oneness, though, we're not separate from God. And here, now listen to this. We're not only not separate from God, we are not different from God. Ooh, that's a big statement. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I, I didn't make this up. It says so right there in Genesis. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Male and female? At the same time? Wow. Man, no more taking the back seat, ladies. Don't let him put you in the back seat. Don't do it. <laughs> the truth shall set you free. 
No, it does say that. You, you know, there's two creation stories. And that, there's that one, and I think the person who was involved in that, it was called Lilith. But, but the problem was, you know, this is a male, completely dominated society, you know, in the Middle, in the, in the middle East at the time. And they were going to have a woman. Uh, that's another thing he said in the, in, the, in the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. He said, you know, when Peter says, why would he give you, a woman, this secret knowledge and then not tell us, the guys? Like, what's up with that? You know? <laughs> because it was, it was all about control. Now, so the question is, when I said that we're no different from God, am I saying that I am God? Mm, that is one blasphemous statement that we've been accused of, by the way. So what's the answer, yes or no? <gasps> yes and no. <laughs> I heard this one time, and I really liked it. And when I was writing this, I remembered, so I've got to share it to you. And, and you've got to remember it when somebody tells you something like that. It says, I am not all of God, but God is all of me. Do you like it? Yeah. I like it too. Let me say it again. I am not all of God, but God is all of me. Hmm. We are being liberated by this new understanding of this oneness, of non-locality. New science calls it. And new science knows these things. It is, uh, the irony is that it is religion who is lagging behind. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Science caught up with it. You remember I told you before, science is climbing the proverbial knowledge, uh, mountain of knowledge, and they found at the top, they found the Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've caught up with it, with, with, you know, religion, and now they're passing it because they, they realize very much so in this oneness, in, in this greatness. And we're still, religion in general, stuck in a little smaller mindset, much smaller. So this oneness format then in this oneness format, you are to God what a ray of light. Let me have my ray of light, Liz. Ah. In this oneness format, you are to God what a ray of light is to the sun. Essentially, no different and connected all the way back to source. That is the image you need to have in your mind about your connection with God, all the way back to source. And so from this place, this higher state of awareness, then you are no different than that, just split into another ray of light. And so do we have a purpose then? Well, yes, but it's not separate from us. It's not someone else who has this purpose. The way I come up with this, again, back to football. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. <laughs> when we come to, this is what I think that makes sense to me anyway. Maybe it doesn't make, but anyway. When we come into this life, we have a game plan. We've designed a game plan. This is what I want to do this. I want to do that. I need to do some things. But then when we get into the game, things happen because there's other players. This is an interactive relational universe. There's other agents. There's you. There's me. We're all one. Yet this, at this, are we one or are we individuals? And the answer is yes. Thank you. You guys are catching on to this. I like this. <laughs> so things happen, and we need to adjust. As I said in the newsletter, you know, you, 
how many times have you had something in your life where you had a specific idea, I'm going to do this, and then something else comes along, and it puts you in a different direction. All right, time to adjust. So for that, we have half times. You know, you go into the half time, the locker room, and try to make adjustments. <laughs> you see how this goes, right? <laughs> anyway, so God then is that overall impetus, the motion, the energy, the motor on a boat that's guiding us forward. And the, wish, the will of God is a, a general will, not specific, not hands-on. It is about the loving energy that sends you towards your higher self, basically. However, you are the one with your hands on the helm. You got to do the steering. You got to do your part. And that's what we talk, that's principle five in our five principles, right? You got to get involved. You got to act. You got to walk the walk. And so basically that is what is mine to do. And that is what is ours to do to take the helm and decide where it is we want to go and start steering in that direction. Can you get some music down, please? So I'm going to invite you now just to contemplate today's message. And we began by taking a few centering breaths, and as we do, we begin to relax, and our hearts and minds begin to open to our higher consciousness. And from this elevated awareness, we listen for guidance from our inner voice, from the divinity we are that ever seeks to express itself through us and as us. From this presence, I affirm, I am the light that shines forth. The light is my guidance. No matter any upheaval or uncertainty I may be facing, I can always return to my center to access guidance. Connecting with my inner light gives me clarity. In these quiet moments of contemplation, I receive indwelling wisdom. I make decisions in confidence knowing that what is mine to do and what is ours to do, it's always for the highest good of all. Let's move forward in that direction. And so it is.